open our religious manual, the precious Word of God, to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. The Lord God has chosen us to be a peculiar people. And when he says that in Titus chapter 2, it means that we are his special, particular, chosen, beloved people. But if we are faithful to the God who's chosen us to be his peculiar people in that sense, we will end up being peculiar in another sense because we will appear strange to the world. And they will count us as being strange, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Brethren, I know what time it is, and I will portion you a small portion in this assembly. When I realize that we hadn't even come to the psalm yet, and we had covered the extent of an esteemed church in another city, I'm aware of how I felt at the end of those minutes. But I hope that there's more to hear here, and you're able to sit better. However, I know what time it is, and I'll portion you a small portion. Balaam is not a hero. He is a false prophet. But some of the things he said, I wish that some of the pastors in this nation would say. And I hope that we all appreciate some of the things he said, though he didn't mean them. Because coin was what he was after. Though he talked a good story, He wanted to make some money from his ministry as a seer, a diviner, a prophet. Very quickly, Numbers chapter 22 and verse 18, Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, who had been sent with great gifts to entice him to curse Israel on behalf of the Moabite nation, Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold. I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Amen Amen to that statement. He was talking the talk. Let's make sure your pastor and we walk the walk. Is that what we really believe? Is that what we are committed to? Yes, it is. 22.38 And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. Amen. Amen. Let's live by those words. Chapter 23 and verse 26. Well, let's get verse 25. Balak's a little frustrated at this point because the blessings are getting better. And the blessings are now involving a curse. (laughs) And the curse is not on Israel, the curse is on Moab. So in 23, 26, 25, 
And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. Just stop talking. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh, that I must do. The question mark is, the question mark to Balak, I told you all this in advance, you shouldn't be surprised. Didn't I tell you this in advance? Why are you surprised? Chapter 24 and the 13th verse. Let's get verse 12. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers, which thou sentest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. May God bless us together, pastor and people, to do nothing of our own mind, to only do, thus saith the Lord. That we have no power, authority or right to ever alter what God's revealed to us in His written word. Recent reflection. It's my favorite R. It is not so much rest and relaxation, but reflection. And it's hard to reflect with all the witty devices we have that allow too many people to communicate with too many other people. Recent reflection about my mortality and usefulness to the Lord. For I will soon give an account to Him. And our small church and my small ministry sent me back to the manual of our faith and of our service. Let me speak as a fool to you for a little while. And then I'll speak to you as a wise man. Our church and my ministry could be so much more memorable and important if I could preach a few things that I cannot preach and that you should not ever want to hear preached out of this pulpit. Put another way, What do we need to do to have our own megachurch right here in Greenville with thousands of members? It's definable. It's identifiable. Their methods are well known and published. They're all the same. They're rather quite simple. There's many of them. But why couldn't we do them all? We have the gifts. We have the money. We could get started off better than most of them. Why don't we? It hurts me when I go in and see 400 sincere so-called Christians with a man in the pulpit unable to answer one of the questions that should always be answered for God's people. Why do we have trouble and pain in this life? It hurts. I would hope 
that severely intoxicated, which I would never be, but I would hope severely intoxicated and spun around a hundred times, I could open my mouth and answer that question. And I would hope that the children in this assembly could answer that question. I've already said enough about that. My ministerial limitations are similar to Jeremiah's and others because of the situation in which we live. And so the message or the character of my ministry is very much like theirs. And there's a lot of negativity. And there's a lot of criticism. And there's a lot of condemnation of the compromise and sin in religious circles around us because we cannot go with them. And our children must understand that what they are doing is against God's Word. And why we are different and why we have separated ourselves from the other hundreds of Baptist churches in our very county is because God's Word tells us we must. If I could preach, listen to me for a few minutes and we'll take a break. And get strength at break time for the second assembly. If I could preach baby dedications in assemblies, it would help us to look like Catholics and make mothers and grandparents so warm and fuzzy. Do you know that Baptists have added an element to many of their churches called baby dedications? I appreciate the motive. I reject the activity. A baby dedication in a Baptist church is when the two parents bring the baby forward and they hold that baby out and the minister makes a prayer over that baby like the minister is a priest performing infant baptism. It's to replace infant baptism in Baptist churches. There is no such thing described in the Bible. Baby dedications are in the Bible, but they're never in the house of God. Hannah dedicated her baby to the Lord, but she didn't need any priest to help her except to take him off her hands. Manoah and his wife dedicated a child to the Lord by asking the Lord for specific instructions, how should we raise this young boy Samson? Lois and Eunice dedicated a son and grandson to the Lord named Timothy. But it didn't involve any minister. It involved filling him with the word of God from his youth. So if you want to dedicate a baby, then do it God's way. If I could preach baby dedications, we'd have a lot more women in this assembly because they would appreciate my ministry more. I might even like the idea. But I can't preach baby dedications. And I won't preach baby dedications. I have taken God's word as my heritage forever. And I'm not going back. I have solemnly sworn. And I will perform. If I could preach that there isn't a burning hell, I would preach it, brethren. If I could preach to you that there wasn't a hell, believe me, I would cancel what I have on this outline right now and preach to you there wasn't a hell. In my flesh, I wish there wasn't a hell. 
But there is a hell because the Bible declares there is one. And it is appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Time magazine the last couple of weeks is featured. Rod Bell, the pastor of a megachurch in Grand Rapids, Michigan, about the decline in belief among evangelical Christians across this country that there is a hell. The existence of hell when I was a boy was a certainty by all religions except the Jehovah's Witnesses. What in the world has happened in my short lifetime? If I could preach there was no hell, I'd preach it right now. But I cannot preach there is no hell. And because we preach a burning hell, and others do not, they get the masses of the unregenerate, the carnal, the fearful, the wicked, and the unbelieving, and we do not. And so we shrink our church because we preach a burning hell. The lack of a hell would make most men very relieved and happy. As this is wishful thinking for today's unregenerate and carnal church members that do not fear God. If I could preach to you that it was annihilation after this life, who cares about annihilation? Let's live life with all the gusto we can then, as Schlitz used to advertise 40 years ago. If I could preach decisional regeneration, it would make salvation so easy, so man-centered, and so assuring to those that trust in their will and works, rather than God's will and works. We could lock the doors today and use every necessary enticement or threat to get a decision from every single person in this room down to the age of three. I would not let you go. I would appeal to you and tell you stories, and I would jerk more tears than Jimmy Swaggart at one of his piano concerts. I would threaten you with hell fire, and I'd beat the Bible. And I would tell you that all you have to do is say, Jesus, save me, and you can go to heaven when you die, and we would get everyone in here saved. And that excites parents. And that excites men who want to trust their decision instead of God's Word. We could report hundreds of souls saved every week. We could go out on the street and buttonhole people and say, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Well, sure. Are you a sinner? Yes. Is Jesus your Savior? Yes. Well, you're saved. You can write it down today that you've been saved. And we could report huge numbers that were saved. If I could preach that divorce and remarriage for any cause is acceptable in the 21st century in the Church of Christ, it would encourage those in difficult marriages to run away from their problems rather than resolve them, and it would cover the sin of legal adultery for many more who have left their first spouses and married others without justifiable cause by the loose divorce laws of our nation. That helps build churches. Trust me. Do you know how many divorced people are in the average megachurch who do not have a scriptural grounds for their divorce and remarriage? If I could preach that, it would help so much. If Balaam could have preached what Balak wanted to hear, he would have been so rich. If I could preach these things, we would be so big. 
We have the gifts. We have the capital. We have the vision, as they say. But the only vision we want is the vision of God's Word. If I could preach infant baptism, it would end all the difficult qualifying I have to go through, the difficult persuading, the difficulty at setting age limits at times, and the difficult logistics of finding enough water to get people under it, And instead we could create a special event for parents, godparents of course. We would invent and add that as well to make even more people happy. To be heroes of some covenant faith. If I could only preach infant baptism, so many more would come. Catholics would come. We could get them under the sound of our perverse gospel. Oh, what a difference it would make. We could then be part of the great 90% majority of all those who call, 95% majority of all those who call themselves Christians. If I could preach acceptance of gays, we would immediately increase in attendance with sodomites and faggots who would want to be here in our church because they would be accepted in our preaching. Acceptance of gays would make us so much more politically correct and Christ-like in the minds of many who view it merely as a different preference or unavoidable by birth. If I could preach the observance of religious holidays, what a week we would have had. Brethren, it's been Holy Week. What a day we would have. It's Easter Sunday. What a Friday we would have had. If I could preach the observance of religious holidays, what material... I would have had for the last seven weeks of Lent. My sermons would have been picked for me. We could have delighted in Palm Sunday. We could hand out little palm branches. And we could put ashes on your forehead in the form of a cross. Oh, children love to dress up. Trick-or-treating was so much fun for my brother and sister and me. To come home and lay out all that candy on the floor and trade it back and forth. We had so much fun. It was so fun to go to haunted houses in the name of Jesus. And have ghosts and devils and demons leaping out of the black darkness upon us in the effort to get us saved. To go to heaven when we die. If I could preach religious holidays, Christmas presents, Easter egg hunts, Mothers love Christmas carols so much and pretty green trees. And fathers love sunrise services and cooking breakfast on the church grounds for all the faithful that went. We could build this church. We could take Greenville by storm. But I've only just begun at what we would have to do. If I could only preach that election and predestination are theological mysteries that ought to be ignored by the people of God and not waste precious time in the pulpit trying to explain them or apply them. If I could preach that allowing sex before marriage for those who love each other and are somewhat committed, would make it would make teenagers and young professionals so much more comfortable in our services since the words like fornication, whores, whoredom, whoremongering, are not conducive 
to friendship and growing a church. If I could preach an emphasis on self-love and self-esteem, like James Dobson and Robert Schuller, to feed the pride of men and their selfishness so that they can point a finger at others for the cause of their problems, for not loving them as much as they love themselves, and allow psychological babble into our church, more would come. They love to hear that. You ought to hear James Dobson when he's waxing eloquent and powerful for the women that listen to his broadcast as he fulfills his calling of being one of those ministerial creeps that creep into houses and lead captive silly women. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, he says, The thing that I desire the most in all the earth is that every woman have a healthy dose of self-esteem. It would solve more problems than any other single factor. You say, I don't believe he ever said that. How good are you on a keyboard? Do you understand a Google search box? Go prove me wrong. But we're going to put some money on it. So that I can put a little pain into your life. You don't understand how wicked these men are. He fulfills the first symptom of the perilous times. Timothy, know this, that perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. The last thing we need as Christians is more self-esteem. What we need is other esteem so that we can esteem others like we already esteem ourselves by nature. The people with the most self-esteem are behind bars and on death row. If you've ever read the studies. Do you know why they break the law without any regard for anyone else? Because they are above the law by their love of themselves. There's whole sermons on each of these subjects. Do you realize that? I have tried to be faithful to you in preaching all of God's Word. I'm not giving you the answers to them now because you should all know them while you're sitting there. If I could preach... Renewing Passover observances. What neat things we could add to the worship of God. We could bring in Old Testament ceremonies and we could make inquiries that would be exciting for families and you could have ceremonies at home from the Old Testament and connect us to Moses and the Jews. So the preaching could be spiritualizing of shadows and figures instead of the declaring of reality and facts. It's the rage today. It is the rage. There are whole ministries based on explaining to you the furniture of the tabernacle. The only explanation of the furniture of the tabernacle that I want is found in the first ten verses of Hebrews chapter 9. It's all that Paul thought worthy of telling us. And do you know what he said? He said most of it isn't even necessary. Let's just go on. Things have been reformed, he said in verse 10. If I could preach ignoring television or even promoting popular television shows, it would remove so much fear, guilt, and shame from attendees who spend few or many hours a week watching things which the Bible plainly condemns. It would make them feel more comfortable. We just won't mention things like that from the pulpit. If I could promote politics or maybe even a a little touch or taste of civil rebellion... It would bring in another segment of society. 
of so-called Christians that love the entertainment of historical, conspiratorial, and economic events. Entire ministries have been built around such stuff. Jerry Falwell comes to mind. What was he doing with some organization called the Moral Majority? It had a sweeping, it made a sweeping change in this country, didn't it? It came of not because it was of men instead of God. Carl McIntyre's entire ministry, which was known to most as the 20th century Reformation Hour on the radio, has come to naught. You ought to read the descriptions of the last people that attended his great Colosseum or cathedral in Collingswood, New Jersey, when there were two people present mixing politics with religion. The apostle never did it except to say, honor to whom honor is due. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And the Lord Jesus Christ would say, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But wasn't, did Jesus have the option of some zealots in his nation? Oh yes. But he didn't choose to go with them. Oh, if, if I could preach that we ought to replace strong Bible preaching with the prosperity gospel, passionate dramatics, and entertaining storytelling, it would cater to those unable to endure sound doctrine. If I could preach that women have equal rights and should lead in assemblies, and we could get women involved up here in the pulpit, it would make the matriarchal leaders of this nation so happy for themselves and their daughters that they have a place in the house of God, in a place of leadership. If I could preach that musical instruments were entirely appropriate in the worship of God in the New Testament, it would allow us to entertain and manipulate the natural man with a great praise band. Can you imagine if we unleashed the Carnell boys in this church and told them to go for broke? Give Eric a microphone. Tell him that if he wants to serve Jesus, he needs to get the congregation dancing in the aisle. How many minutes do you give him? Don't be offended, son, if it comes too fast. How many minutes would you give him? We have gifts in this church. I can see Jonathan Elton Carnell on the piano bouncing that thing off the floor. You'd be shaking your booty if Jonathan Carnell could have you for a few minutes. Oh, I get excited thinking about it. I say, Lord, do you know what we could do in your name? I can tell stories. I used to tell stories at Michigan National Bank of Detroit that someday they would be profitable. (laughs) A little bit of holy laughter is okay as long as you make sure that we go out of this place and we live worthy of the God and worthy of the gospel that He has revealed to us. Or we will face the severest judgment. But I do get excited about our praise band. I can see our pretty girls with their long hair up here swaying to the music until the whole church is swaying to the music and we're worshiping Jesus with hands lifted up. We could do it. Oh, where's Gloria? 
Raise your hand, Gloria. Gloria, you'd have an important role somewhere in that. You say, is this what you do on vacation? This is what I do on vacation. But it's entirely sober and solemn. You know, we're just looking at one little aspect of it. I say, Lord, they're drawing thousands. They don't know they're blank from their blank when it comes to the Word of God. Are we missing the boat? Should I be doing something differently? And he says, trust my word. And then I read a place like 2 Timothy 4.1 where Paul in private correspondence to a man he had known well for many, many years, his son Timothy would say, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels who shall judge the quick and the dead at his coming. Preach the word. Amen. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Amen. And that long suffering is not suffering a congregation a long time before they convert to the truth. That long suffering is suffering the persecution of people on their way out the door who do not want to do it God's way. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. If I could preach the equality of wives and forbid the use of obedience, submission, and reverence, it would endear us to the leaders in most families, which are women, and make us more compatible with this rebellious generation. If I could preach that labor unions and other forms of communism, it would make us contemporary and significant for improving the workplace instead of improving the workers. If I could preach fake healings, tongues, and miracles, it would be so exciting and drawing. Thank Benny Hinn and his crowds. And to that we could add the nonsense of dreams and visions contrary to the Bible. If I could preach that we ought to moderate the preeminence of Jesus Christ, it would make the natural man more comfortable and it could help create a personality cult. I don't care if the personality cult is centered around John Kelvin, Joel Osteen, Martin Luther, Robert Schuller, or Rick Warren. It's wrong. And yet it's those personality cults that draw men by the thousands because they have no interest in being part of the personality cult of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was called a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Right. Do you know why? Because he was in the cult of Jesus of Nazareth. What is a cult? It is a group of people dedicated to the belief of a particular doctrine. The Apostle Paul would say, after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my Father. If I could preach a post-apostolic origin of our church, it would connect people with natural history rather than supernatural history. Every other church in this world has come out of the Reformation or the mother of harlots directly or is the mother of harlots. If I could preach our own prophecies, do you know how much it would boost attendance? 
If I could get in the pulpit and tell you something God said to me last night, more would come than if I showed you what God said and wrote down in the Bible. Jesus said, you believe me not because I tell you the truth. If I were to tell you a lie, you'd believe me. Lies are always more popular. If I could preach that membership in secret societies is okay, it would unite us with the world another way, and it would bring in members of the Masonic Lodge. If I could preach that we ought to modify our building with a steeple and flags, it would make people feel so much more comfortable to have a phallic symbol on the top and a flag of an antichrist nation in the middle. If I could preach futurism for Bible prophecies and steal the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and His fulfilled prophecies, I could turn the daily newspaper into an exciting read for crowds of people who would be looking for an explanation of the tsunami of Japan in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21, that there would be signs in the heaven and in the earth. If I could preach an end to church discipline, it would make so many feel so much more comfortable. And of course, we could always pad our membership rolls because as people left us, we would just keep them right where they were so that our membership would grow over time, though those in attendance would stay the same like it is in every other Baptist church. If I were to preach the ending of rules for female modesty, it would bring back girls and women alienated by our limitations. And it would make church a babe heaven to get more guys in here as well. Just think of all the things we could do. If you attend a mega church, which I haven't, in a long time. It's a babe haven. Because the girls can wear anything they want. If I were to preach the lightening up of our worship, it would bring many more worshipers since grave and sober assemblies are so boring and tiring. After all, they tell us, David danced with all his might before the Ark of the Covenant in their total misunderstanding and rejection of Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 that tells us to worship God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. If I were to preach that we ought to forget the length of hair, it would make butches and dykes and effeminate males feel right at home, and it would get the church out of personal matters that it doesn't have any right to speak about. Remember, they tell us Jesus had long hair. Jesus' hair wasn't much longer than John Moyer's. That's a lying caricature of Jesus of Nazareth that Catholics have painted that you have in your mind and I hope you don't have in your purse or in your house or anywhere because that is not the Jesus of the Bible. Amen. If you need a picture of Jesus of the Bible, get an artist to draw one based on Revelation 1 and Revelation 19. But I would like to warn you that God doesn't smile favorably on graven images. If I could only preach that we should ignore virginity and not mention such a word from the pulpit, it would help keep the casual sex generation attending and comfortable in our midst. And everyone could wear a white dress when they got married. Such preaching is so old-fashioned offensive and it's not even for mixed company as they go home and watch R-rated movies on television. If I could preach that cremation is just fine because it helps people save money. And it helps save Mother Earth for some better purpose. 
It's man's spirit that's important anyway. But the Bible tells me that Jesus died for all of me and all of you. And we shall bury. If I could preach nationalism or patriotism from the pulpit, thinking that it's a second cousin of the gospel, and we could sing Battle Hymn of the Republic, one of my favorite songs as a child, I know it wouldn't go over as well in the South. But we don't do that. Because we are strangers and pilgrims in this world, and we are citizens of a holy nation and another kingdom. We are thankful for having been born in the greatest nation on earth, for its liberties. But we don't mix the two foolishly. If I could preach that we ought to demonstrate publicly against abortion, just think of the social activities that you could get involved in and be someone. If I could send our youth to missionary projects, Habitat for Humanity, you could go to Haiti and help rebuild houses for those devil-worshipping, voodoo-practicing Catholics in that island. Oh, teenagers get excited when they get to get away from home for two weeks with an all-expense-paid trip overseas to go and do such things the Bible has no mention of whatsoever. If I could preach the relaxing standards of discipleship, Jesus was so strict. He was so divisive. He's talking about swords and hating your friends and your parents and your wife and your children and your brother and your sister. It's just and bearing a cross. Listen, He wants you to be happy. If I could preach the relaxing of standards of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would come. If I could invite Tim Tebow, Do you know how many we could have in this church? If I could invite Tim Tebow to tell you about playing football for Jesus. You say, well, he doesn't interest me. Well, then I would invite Glenn Beck so that you could listen to a Roman Catholic Mormon. How many would come if we advertised Glenn Beck? But if we advertised preaching about Jesus, no one cares. Oh, if I could preach using rote prayers and songs that you don't have to think about, we could get into the Spirit on the Lord's Day by singing Kumbaya 15 times. Do you know that if we sang together Kumbaya, my Lord, 15 times, you would be in the Spirit more than you were when you started? But not this Spirit. He wants us to sing with the Spirit and to sing with the understanding. And kumbaya isn't even a real word. Go look it up. What do you do on your vacation? Study words like kumbaya. Because I know crowd psychology a little bit. And so does Benny Hinn. You know, Benny Hinn doesn't show up until after you've been in the Coliseum several hours. He has you psychologically prepared to receive the devil. And he has plenty of them to offer. If I could preach using entertainment, it would surely work. Instead of preaching, we could watch Left Behind or invite the Gaithers 
or watch Facing the Giants or have a Super Bowl Sunday night with nachos and beer on the best video monitors in town. The end of saving souls justifies the means, doesn't it? If we can get them in with Super Bowl Sunday, we can send them out saved at halftime. We'll say something about Jesus. If I could preach using a different Bible version, all of a sudden the power of God's Word would be taken away and the people would be happy that they had the words of men instead of the words of God. If I could preach that our website ought to be used for self-promotion, it would build our church because men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. But you're pressed to find out anything about us when you go to our website. If I could encourage all of you to help me get together a core network of successful people, it would bring other successful people who want to rub elbows with the rich and famous when they go to church, the movers and shakers, downtown churches in every town of Episcopalians, Methodists, Presbyterians, and even Baptists live by this strategy. The idea of Christ's kingdom being for the poor is horrible marketing, they tell us, and it'll never bear good results. I could preach and tell you to get a pastor with some better worldly credentials. The Reverend Dr. Webster Churchill sounds a whole lot better than John Doe. People will come to hear a man rather than to hear the Word of God. If I were to preach that we ought to emphasize children and youth with activities and programs for them, it would draw crowds because mommies and daddies in America today, the first question they ask when looking for a new church is, what programs do you have for the youth? Because the fathers and the mothers are so lazy to take the task that God has given them because they are to train up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not the church. They want youth programs. Listen, we could we could have a softball team in the summer basketball teams in the winter of all ages and sexes. And if we were to put some money into it and get it organized, they would come. And we could make the requirement, if you attend one service a week, to get to be on our teams. Churches do it all over the country. Baptist churches do it all over the country. We could build this church, brethren. Why do we sit here so small and insignificant? If I could preach that we should replace congregational singing with special music, it would make it so much easier for unregenerate and carnal television addicts to worship with us, since it would all be done for them, just like in a Catholic Mass or a nightclub. And do you know how excited it makes people to be able to stand in front of an audience with a microphone? We win on both ends. If we could replace congregational singing with special music. Oh, if I could preach the replacing of holy living with holy land tours on a carnival cruise ship, which is nothing but floating fornication city. But we could have a carnival cruise to the holy land. Instead of holy living, we could sell tickets. And on and on we could go. Once you get the idea of growth by any means, the sky's the limit. 
The only limitation is the creativity of your imagination. If we were to put these cool inventions together, we would have a church that rocks with thousands. But there's a problem. I cannot go beyond. And I have no power of myself. And I will not speak of my own mind. And I have committed myself, and I have sworn, and I will perform, that I will keep God's commandments, statutes, precepts, and judgments, and testimonies continually forever. Amen. And I hope that's good enough for you. And I'll give you the doctrine of the lesson when we come back. May Jesus Christ be praised. Our Holy Father, with the words of Jeremiah chapter 7, we say of those Christians around us that it never entered your mind for them to do the things that they do. Your mind is revealed in the pages of Scripture. And we are committed to it. We freely and fully confess, by nature, we are no better. By nature, we would know no more. By intellect, we could not discover what we know. You have revealed it to us, and we thank Thee. We bless Thee. We praise Thee. We adore Thee. Oh Lord, I thank Thee that Thou hast opened the pages of Scripture to us and we plainly see how we ought to worship Thee in the New Testament. And O oh Lord God, hold us fast to that. Put it within the heart of every man that we will never move away from the hope of the Gospel that's been revealed to us. Our Father, we are submissive to Thy Word, and if You bring a tsunami of evidence that some point of doctrine or practice we hold is wrong, we will repent and turn unto Thee. But until that event, we will hold fast our profession of faith and our practice. Help us to this end. Heavenly Father, bless the fellowship that we shall now have and rest these tired souls and stir them up by your Spirit. Bless the food that we partake of, and may our conversation be provoking and encouraging and lifting up of one another, that we shall be strong in the faith, never looking back, but looking forward to being with you in heaven forever. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, to whom belongs all the honor and the glory, and who is the head and the cornerstone of this church. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.